Welcome to Walker World's podcast. My name's Rachel and this is the place where we wander behind the veil to take a look at those little-known urban legends and spooky stories from around the world. This is also the podcast where it's Halloween every day of the week. The next story is one that came to my attention fairly recently. It's also the story that reignited a lot of my passion and interest in digging up these little stories that may have got lost to the sands of time and retelling them or breathing new life into them. There are plenty of places in the UK that claim to be the UK's most haunted. Everywhere that you visit will have a story to tell. But more recently, Canuck Chase came up. Canuck Chase is close to where I currently live and is popular with mountain bikers. So popular in fact that Network Rail installed a footbridge after a number of near misses on the pedestrian level crossing. I decided to do this episode because I've recently read a book called Ghosts of Canuck Chase. Thinking that it was an author with an overly vivid imagination trying to bring a little notoriety to an otherwise overlooked area of the UK, I did what anybody did and went down a rabbit hole of research. And yes, a lot of the author's stories are documented elsewhere, many with multiple sightings and encounters, which is why we're right here right now, preparing to see what lurks in the shadows of Canuck. Referred to locally as the Chase, it is a mixed area of countryside in the county of Staffordshire, England, and is a former royal forest. The Chase compromise comprises a mixture of natural woodland, conifer plantations, open heathland, small lakes, and the remains of early industry, primarily coal mining. The area was designated as an area of outstanding natural beauty on the 16th of September 1958 and is the smallest area so designated in mainline Britain, covering just 68 kilometres, which is 26 square miles. Much of the area is also designed as a site of specific, of special scientific interest. Despite being relatively small in area, the chase provides a remarkable range of landscape and wildlife, including a herd of around 800 fallow deer and a number of rare and endangered birds, including migrant nightjars. Canuck Chase is enveloped between Canuck in the southwest and Rugeley in the northeast. It's roughly 24 miles from Birmingham. The area was once an industrial haven with around 26 coal mines, the last of which closed in 1993. In fact, the vast majority of the country's mines were located in the Midlands, with the band of collieries stretching up to Yorkshire and Lancashire and down to Warwickshire. What makes Canuck Chase so interesting is the high concentration of paranormal activity happening in a single place. On top of that, everything is happening in an open expanse of land rather than being confined to a single building or section of ground. Something else that makes the chase so interesting is that there's not just one brand of activity. You're not just getting ghosts or UFOs or humanoids. Canuck Chase has the whole cast in and around the area. In fact, this place is so haunted that even a national mountain biking group magazine, MBR, posted an article about the spooky shenanigans in the area. But let's dig deeper and see exactly what's happening among the trees and old mines of Canuck Chase. 
Like many places around the world, the chase is home to sightings of black-eyed children. Whether it's one, a handful or a whole army, no one knows. All they know is that these sinister-looking and eyeless children have been wandering the woods and scaring visitors since at least the 1980s. One such story, which comes from author Lee Bickley's aunt, tells of how she was on Cannock Chase one summer evening in 1982. With her friends, they were just hanging out and decompressing from the world around them. At around 9.45, just before the sun disappeared for the evening, the group heard a little girl frantically calling for help. Getting to her feet, Lee's aunt began to track the sound until she came to a dirt track and spotted a young girl, possibly six to seven, eight, six to eight years old, running in the opposite direction. The girl was shouting, help, mummy, help. She continued to chase after the girl even as they approached some of the area's dense woodland. At some point she tripped and sliced her foot open but continued to carry on pursuing the child. It was only when they reached the edge of the trees that she decided to give up. The child stopped and turned to look at her with eyes that were either completely black or completely missing. The child ran into the trees and was never seen again. While at the hospital... Lee's aunt was encouraged to call police, who searched the area the following day. The police took the sighting of an apparently missing child seriously, even though none had been reported in the area, but thankfully found nothing. Some people believe that the sightings sightings of these black-eyed children, who predominantly appear to be girls, are linked to the Raymond Morris murders of the 1960s. The Cannock Chase murders, also known as the A34 murders, were the murders of three young schoolgirls that occurred in Staffordshire, England during the late 1960s. In a trial reported to have received unprecedented public interest, Raymond Leslie Morris of Walsall was convicted at the Stafford Court of the murder of Christine Anne Darby after one of the largest manhunts in British history. Morris is also considered the chief suspect in the deaths of Margaret Reynolds and Diana Joy Tift. In November 2010, he was granted a judicial review of his case in a bid to overturn his conviction. This failed. Morris died in prison in 2014, aged 84, after serving 45 years, by which time he was one of Britain's longest-serving prisoners. Interestingly, Bickley believes that his aunt was being drawn into the forest by an evil spirit rather than the ghost of a sadly deceased child. Demonic children are the offspring of evil entities and some are believed to be human-demon hybrids. They take on the form of mortal children but with a soul of evil and are considered to be extremely dangerous. In medieval England they were believed to take on the form of a mischievous child who would lead people on a wild goose chase which would often end in the chaser's death. The sightings seemed to have died down until several Staffordshire and national newspapers reported fresh sightings in both 2013 and 2014. The Birmingham Mail stated that the child was last spotted 30 years ago, sparking worldwide interest and is today a cult internet sensation. Latest latest descriptions of the girl who has coal black pits for eye sockets are identical to those chronicled in the early 1980s. 
Alerted by what sounded like screams, a shocked woman came across the wandering, sightless ghost while walking Birch's Valley. We instantly started running towards the noise, she said. We couldn't find the child anywhere and so stopped to catch our breath. That's when I turned around and saw a girl stood behind me, no more than ten years old, with her hands over her eyes. It was as if she was waiting for a birthday cake. I asked if she was okay and if she had, had been the one screaming. She put her arms down by her sides and opened her eyes. And that's when I saw that they were completely black. No iris, no white, nothing. I jumped back and grabbed my daughter. And when I looked again, the child was gone. It was so strange. People have pointed out the differences between Canuck's black-eyed children and the black-eyed kid phenomenon, which was more prevalent in the prevalent stateside, in that the black-eyed kids tend to turn up on people's doorsteps and ask to come inside. Stateside, they tend to happen at night, while Canuck Chase's sightings happen during daylight hours. So what are the black-eyed children? Ghosts? Demons? Or something else entirely? No one else, no one is really entirely sure. But everyone, but what everyone is sure of is that they're not the only being to wander the chase. In April 2007, a Staffordshire newspaper reported the following. A rash of sightings of a werewolf-type creature prowling the outskirts of Stafford have prompted a respected Midlands paranormal group to investigate. West Midlands Ghost Club says they have been contacted by a number of shocked residents who saw what they claimed to be a hairy wolf-type creature walking on its hind legs around the German war cemetery just off Camp Road in between Stafford and Cannock. Several of the witnesses claim the creature sprang up on its hind legs and ran into the nearby bushes when it was spotted. The newspaper continued, Nick Duffy of West Midlands Ghost Club said the, the stories of werewolf sightings in the chase were something that he had encountered before. He said the first person to contact us was a postman who told us he had seen what he thought was a werewolf on the German War Cemetery site. He said he was over there on a motorbike and saw what he believed was a large dog. When he got closer, the creature got on his, its hind legs and ran away. The Post quoted Duffy as adding that, I've spoke to many witnesses and I know when they are putting it on. But what struck me as strange about this was the way he told it. I'm in no doubt that he was telling the truth. The creature was also apparently spotted by a scout leader walking over the forest land earlier in April. The man, who the Post stated did not want to be named, said he saw what he initially believed was a large, large dog prowling by the bushes. It was only when he got in his car to drive away that he realised there was something strange about the animal. The werewolf story dates back to 1975, when a story of a young boy in a deal with the devil began to surface. The boy in Eccles Hall used an Ouija board to contact the devil in order to exchange his soul so that he could become a werewolf. The boy then phoned a friend and during the conversation made strange guttural noises. He eventually committed suicide by stabbing himself with a silver knife. A few months later, the stories of the werewolf began to emerge. According to one of the local newspapers, most of the sightings seemed to have been centred around the German war cemetery in the area. The reports included three teenagers spotting an upright wolf searching through a rubbish bin and a dog walker who fled after hearing a creature howl and being frightened by monstrous yellow eyes. 
There is no doubt that paranormal investigators can have a field day at Cannock Chase, which is haunted by so very much. Another werewolf account included two motorcyclists who were crossing the chase one evening and saw what they initially took to be an enormous dog at the side of the road. As they approached the creature, it allegedly began to run away from them at speed, bizarrely leaping up onto its two hind legs to make its swift getaway. Interestingly, part of the area's 14 miles of mountain bike trails has a tight angled drop between two trees called Werewolf Drop. Presumably, this is named after one of Chase's many local legends. So what else does this strange part of the UK hold? Could it get weirder than black-eyed children and werewolves? The answer is yes, it can. It can get a lot weirder. When night falls, enter the woods at your peril, for inside lurks something worse than the devil. Avoid at all costs the gathering place, where at midnight the pigman roams on Cannock Chase. So, the pigman of Cannock Chase. This is a new one on me, and I presume for a lot of the other people too. The short schoolyard rhyme has been doing the rounds of Cannock and Rugeley for years, and apparently continues to this day. Most people know about Bigfoot, Grassman, and various other humanoid creatures, but only a few have had the privilege to hear the story of the Pigman. Out of those few people, only a handful have personally witnessed the creepy beast. The legend tells there is a monster lurking in the woodlands of Cannock Chase in Staffordshire County. This mysterious spot, catalogued by many as a close cousin of Roswell and Area 51, has kept the locals in fear for almost a century. According to the story, after World War II, British and American military scientists joined forces to conduct a series of strange experiments in the region. Closely related to the eugenics movement and similarly to the Nazis' MO, the tests went too far. Allegedly, they abducted a woman, hypnotised her and finally impregnated her with an artificially created human-pig DNA seed with the hope to obtain a creature they could perform their tests on. The pigman business is not as far-fetched as it sounds. In 1999, scientists suggested that pig transplants were safe for humans and they are currently working with different le- different levels and different species. Granted, the ethics and suffering of these animals for the greater good of humanity is unjustified, as they end up spending their entire lives suffering painful tests in small cages and eventually dying a horrible and lonely death. Why the actual fuck would we do this stuff? Goodness only knows why. This is what they thought would probably happen to the creature born out of the experiment between a human and a swine, but they were wrong. They probably believed that it would wouldn't survive very long. The scientists in charge of this horrible test monitored the woman closely and after 10 months they determined the fertilisation attempt didn't work out. A year later they were shocked to find out that her pregnancy had just been delayed. The result was a human baby with an incredibly huge head and a big snout resembling that of a pig. Later this strange being escaped and hid in the woods away from prejudiced human eyes. For decades, children and adults alike have reported the sighting of a strange tall man with a swine face roaming around the Cannock Chase woods.
Some sources believe that the pigman was a tale told by military personnel in the 1940s to local children in order to keep them away from the military installations on Cannock Chase. Yes, Cannock Chase also has some obligatory military installations, including two military training camps, a German POW camp, and in later years, presumably the Pie Green Tower, which was once part of the UK's line-of-sight transmission towers. These towers, located in London, Birmingham, Cheshire, Cannock, Yorkshire, and a number of other sites, provided telecommunications in the event of the Cold War turning hot. As technology has advanced, these towers are now primarily used for radio and TV transmission. Although the Pie Green Tower has some stories of its own. We'll tell them later. First, back to the pigman. So, has this strange being ever been seen? Several eyewitness reports exist, including that of Cannock Chase residents John and Anne. In October 1993, they were walking around the castle ring when they heard strange noises coming from nearby trees. Thinking that it might be a couple having sex, they quickly departed and made their way back to their car. On reaching the car park, they turned around only to find the strangest looking creature standing behind them. They reported that it was at least seven feet tall and had the body of a man up to and including clothes. The head, however, was far too big to be human and had an elongated face and snout-like nose. Once they were inside their car, John and Anne heard a sound like no other, something that sounded like the high-pitched squeal of a pig in pain. Military fiction or truth? You decide as we continue along the hidden pathways of Canuck Chase. So, what would you like next? UFOs, maybe? Okay, UFOs it is. Not only was the Pie Green Tower an important part of the UK's defences during the Cold War, it's also a bit of a UFO hotspot. People have reported seeing strange craft hovering around or visiting the tower. Over the years, hundreds of sightings have come in with Cannock Chase seemingly seeming to be the UK's UFO hotspot. In 2015, a Birmingham-based newspaper reported what was to be the area's largest sighting. They said, A strange aircraft spotted moving slowly and loudly across the sky in Cannock has sparked UFO frenzy. Hundreds of householders took to social media after first hearing a loud drone, then spotting the massive object moving slowly above their homes. Many believe that there is a very earthly explanation for a close encounter that has the community buzzing. Locals in the Staffordshire town believe they saw a secret military prototype, possibly from a UK- US aircraft carrier currently stationed off of Portsmouth. And the British UFO Research Association has not discounted claims that a drone might be behind the Russia reports. The area has been a UFO hotbed since the early 1980s, but last week's incident is the biggest in terms of the sheer volume of sightings. One individual posted, My house was rumbling and I'm still shaking. It was slow and it was huge. Another wrote, Way too slow for fighter jets. It flew directly over our house, made a sharp left turn and carried on. The craft, sporting three red lights, was so low that many feared it was a plane in trouble. Cannock Chase journalist Hannah Hills, who has worked for the Sunday Mercury, was also alerted by the thunderous noise. 
It was ever so loud and it went on for quite a while, she said. It was much more prolonged than a military jet. It was very curious. Another resident described the sound of jets followed by a loud whir akin to propellers. The reports have spawned three theories. Members of the public did see something from another planet, or they witnessed a plane in distress, or they saw an experimental military craft, a so-called black project, being tested over Staffordshire. This is just one of countless sightings, and in 2020, Cannock Chase was listed as the UK's UFO hotspot with 19 reports in 2009. These were the last records to be made public and were obtained through a Freedom of Information request. A year later, and the military closed their UFO desk as they said that there was no potential threat from beings from outer space. H.G. Wells may beg to differ on that one. In fact, a huge swathe of the Midlands area made it into the top 10 most visited for UFOs, with 109 sightings divided between Warwickshire, Derbyshire, Staffordshire and Lincolnshire in 2009. Another case involves a man called Mark who was walking through woodland at night with two friends following a party. They all witnessed a flash of light overhead followed by a bang which floored all three of them. They all describe a form of paralysis for over a minute. When they were able to move the other two men noticed Mark was missing. Mark turned up six hours later and three miles away in the front garden of his friend where he was discovered staring blankly at the sky. Mark had no recollection of the event apart from the flash of light and the loud bang. As time progressed, Mark had flashbacks. He claims that he remembers being tied to a table with a shadowy figure whispering to him in an unknown language. The figure was dressed head to toe in black and had bright yellow eyes and sharp white teeth. He describes it as an evil presence. The other two men recall Mark disappeared after the flash of light and bang but that was all they knew. There are so many UFO stories about Canic Chase archived around the internet that it's difficult to catch them all. Another interesting one involved a car radio and something that sounded like an old bomber plane. Andrew was driving on the back lanes of Canic Chase around 9pm in May 2002. He was on Chapel Lane in the small village of Gentleshaw. Andrew describes a loud noise constantly overhead, like the sound of an old bomber plane. It did not move towards or away from its location, it simply hovered. He pulled over and attempted to listen and locate the sound, but was unable to. When he started his car, the radio turned on, but it was just white static. He was unable to turn the volume down on the radio, and none of the buttons work. He wasn't even able to turn the radio off. The white noise then spoke and growled Andrew's name to him. It did this two or three times before turning itself back to BBC Radio 2. He pulled onto Shore Lane. The bomber plane noise returned. He then saw three red lights zipping across the sky. They noticed him and approached, sending a triangular beam of light at him, blinding him for a few seconds before disappearing. When he looked at his clock in the car, it said 2.15am, which was almost four hours later. His wife had been trying to contact him and almost called the police. When he was zapped by the red light, no other cars were on the road. But when the, when the voice was on the radio, he says that he did see cars. 
And thanks to all of the UFO sightings, Cannock Chase has been dubbed the UK's Roswell. That name was in part due to a rumoured UFO crash in the area in the 1960s. Reports of flying saucers were brought to the public's attention thanks to a whistleblower in the intelligence arm of the US Air Force. It was the US Navy third-class petty officer S.M. Brannigan who raised alarm bells about a mysterious crash in Penkridge, a town on the edge of the River Penk near Cannock Chase, between February and March 1964. He said three bodies were recovered from the operation to deal with the incident at Cock Sparrow Lane, which involved the Air Force and NATO. Brannigan was stationed in the Caribbean at the time and told of his discovery after he intercepted a Soviet transmission. He said the Russian message referred to a UFO malfunctioning and falling to earth in two parts, the larger section near Penkridge and the other splintering over West Germany. Mystery further surrounded the incident when an eyewitness came forward to say he took photos of a delta-shaped object he spotted in a field near Penkridge at the time. Harold South of Blockwich claims the curious item was partially covered by a tarpaulin and placed on an aircraft transporter. He came across it when he stopped from driving his van when he was stopped from driving his van by a roadblock manned by Army, RAF and police personnel. South said the officers confiscated his camera after he took pictures of the scene. When it was returned to him, the film, of course, had been taken out. Paranormal websites reported the wrecked craft was taken to Portland Down Scientific Research Centre in Wiltshire. Now, Peter McHugh, former clinical psychologist turned author, has turned the spotlight on the unexplained crash in his new book, Zones of Strangeness, an examination of the paranormal in UFO hotspots. To help him report on unusual phenomena, he worked with paranormal investigator Nick Redfin, who was born in Pelzor, Walsall, and currently working in the US. There is no mention of the Penkridge class in crash in declassified MOD files, and the incident went unreported in local newspapers at the time. But McHugh was drawn to it by Redfern, Redfern, who included the case in his own book, his own 1999 book, Cosmic Crashes, after being tipped off by Leonard Stringfield, a former US Air Force intelligence officer with an interest in UFOs. It was Stringfield who had stored Brannigan's account of the crash. Peter, who adopts an open-minded approach to each case study in his book, admits to being puzzled by the Penkridge incident. If there were hold-ups on a road, you would have thought there would have been something in the press at the time, but there was not. It may be, however, the eyewitnesses got the dates wrong. I really don't know about this one. Certainly the theory that it was something from Russia rather than outer space seems logical but he added that he doesn't readily believe that the truth is out there and that he has become frustrated by the lack of hard evidence attached to every incident in his first book. One of the hypotheses I'm leaning towards is that when we do get clusters of strange phenomenon in one area, it may be orchestrated by some higher intelligence, which is not necessarily extraterrestrial. The things we see are, if you like, stage props that do not actually exist. They are being played out before us. And the mysterious 1964 Penkridge crash is not the only suspicious activity in the Cannock Chase area that has come to McHugh's attention. A chunk of his weighty tomb is dedicated to unexplained paranormal phenomenon in the rural landscape. 
Several big, several other UFO sightings have been reported. However, these are outnumbered by the number of big cat sightings said to have been spotted there. A rash of triangular-shaped objects were reported overnight skies in Cannock Chase in the late 1980s and early 1990s, but these were generally accepted to have been US stealth bombers in their infancy, which were being put through their paces. Some years later, a US military spokesman admitted Cannock Chase, made up of 26 square miles of heath and woodland, was part of the flight path of stealth, based on the the East Coast, East Coast were being tested for teething problems. As you can see, there are so many news reports on what happens on Canic Chase that it almost feels like it's becoming a bit of a meme. And uh, there are people that go out there to to wait for things to happen. It's just a funny, funny area of land. Um, obviously, it's a former royal forest, and obviously, it's it's former coal mining. So the the ground's obviously been dug up and churned up and it's basically been left to go back to nature. And so it is kind of a bit of a, a mix of kind of flat areas and and dense woodland. So it does have this kind of almost spooky feel to it. I mean, go and have a look at it on, on Google Maps. You only have to put in Canic Chase and it'll come up and you'll be able to get a sense of, of what the area looks like. So UFOs, alien abductions, black-eyed children, pigmen... Werewolves is anything that is missing from Canic Chase. Apparently not, because Canic Chase also does have a hellhound. Um, <laughs> a hellhound is described as the dog of hell and is found in mythology, folklore and fiction. They often have unnaturally large features and glowing red eyes. They're reported to guard the gates of hell and may also hunt down lost souls. The hound, also known as the ghost dog of Breton, has been seen on numerous occasions stalking the roads leading into the town. The apparition has been described as large, black, muscular, with sharp pointed ears and strangely glowing eyes. British folklore indicates that the black dog forewarns death. The most prominent sightings happened in the 1970s and early 1980s. Whilst driving through the chase in 1972, Nigel Lee described seeing a ball of light crash into the ground. The apparition has been described. He slowed down to take a look and was confronted by the biggest dog he has ever seen. Within a month, one of Mr. Lee's close friends died in a terrible industrial accident, which Mr. Lee believed may be connected with the dog apparition. In January 1985, there was another report that hellhound stalking Colpit Lane, Breton. Mrs. Sylvia Everett of Cannock Wood Road described a strange, misty figure moving across the road as she and her husband drove on a warm and clear summer night. Although they could not explain the incident, Mrs. Everett believed that it may have been connected to the dog law of Breton. Traditionally, demonic dogs are associated with graveyards, bridges, water, crossroads and places connected with violence and death. Approaching Breton on the Rugeley Road, you come to an ideal crossroad where the Rugeley Road, Colliery Road, Style Cop Road and Startley Lane meet. This area is also associated with the former Lee Hall and Breton collieries, hazardous places where workers at times met with terrible accidents. Could there be a connection between those these sites and the Hound? And just what is happening out at Cannock Chase?
Some people liken the chase to America's Skinwalker Ranch. Located in Utah, Skinwalker Ranch, real name Sherman Ranch, is infamous for UFOs, alien visitations, cattle mutations and strange creatures stepping through portals. The area is believed to be either cursed Navajo land or a portal to another dimension. Could the same be true of Canic Chase? Could the area be some kind of portal for the paranormal to cross into the human world? I think what's really interesting about Canic Chase is that unlike Skinwalker Ranch, Area 51, Roswell, etc., they're all kind of isolated. So they're they're in the middle of the desert. They're, you know, not really any close to any large population bases. Whereas, again, go on Google Maps, take a look at Cannock Chase, and you'll see just how close it is to large towns like Cannock, like Rugeley. You've got Birmingham fairly close by. You zoom out, you'll start seeing other cities. So you'll see Coventry, Leicester, Nottingham. It's, it's smack in the middle of the country, and it's surrounded by millions of people in the area. So it's not as remote as people think it is. It's it's just this wide expanse of land that they've they've left to become um, they've left to nature. Whether that was intentional, whether that was the plan, or whether it's because there's a lot of mines there, so they may not be able to build on it. It is beautiful. It is a really really beautiful place to just go and chill out. But there is something odd about it. Um, interestingly, so let's see if I can pronounce this. The British latitudinal ley line passes straight through Canuck Chase. Ley lines are generally considered to be global lines of power as well as areas of paranormal activity, energy vortexes and also sacred places tend to be in these areas. Places like Silbury Hill, Stonehenge and the Great Pyramids as well as other countless places of worship and wonders of the world are all believed to be sitting on these lines. Maps are available online and the British Latitudinal Ley Line passes just west of Rugeley. This ley line is believed to run the length of the country. Also crossing Cannock Chase is the shorter Ash Ridge Ley Line at just shy of 220 miles and running southwest to northeast. Could these lines be the reason that there is so much concentrated to a single area? Could these sightings and interactions with beings that aren't of this world be due to lines of energy running and crossing through Canuck Chase? I mean, I 100% believe that we're not alone in the, the universe. I also believe that there are other dimensions that spirits, beings, demons, or whatever you want to call them can cross over from. I've had too many experiences of my own for them not to exist. And at some point, I'll do a podcast on them. I'm also at some point going to do a podcast of one on one of the area's most famous UFO sightings, which took place in the early 2000s. So keep an ear out for that. Do come back and, and have a listen when that one goes up. I would like to say thank you so much for listening. You can find the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Warcraft Worlds Podcast. If you would like something unusual or interesting to read, please do check out my website at www.roswellpublishing.co.uk. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. And until next time, stay spooky. Thank you.